Hello there, I'm Stephen Blanchard and welcome once again to the Chattable Podcast, where I talk to people about stuff. In this third episode, I'm chatting about the COVID-19 pandemic, the growing fight against racism and, to a certain degree, the American political landscape ahead of this year's presidential election and, of course, the one person who links all of these together, Donald Trump. Now, my partner in chat this week is an accomplished academic and anti-bullying advocate who has witnessed firsthand the vast changes in both the political and racial landscapes, both in the US and the UK, over the last 20 plus years. My name is Dr. Saira Qureshi. I formed my own organization called Action Against Bullying. I have been doing a lot of works, presentations, workshops with educators, with students from all different ages. I've been invited to be as a guest panel for various anti-bullying organizations. I've worked in schools across New York State, really. I became a certified health and life coach. I'm specialized in domestic violence and bullying, but non-physical, purely because there is this gap there is so much emotional manipulation and bullying which really isn't addressed in adulthood but it's overlooked and it's something that's so detrimental and the support is minimal especially amongst the police. I am a fitness professional. I created and designed and created undergraduate programs around dance fitness. My third book is called Becoming Socially Fit Using Group Physical Fitness as a Deterrent to Bullying Behavior and I based it off the book with Dance Fitness Program which is taken from the creator South African dance backgrounds of uh, Kweto. So I've done several things, but the key areas are bullying, fitness, nutrition, all merged together. As you know, I am back in the UK. I'm currently in quarantine right now. So uh, that's where I am right now. <laughs> so at the minute you're in, shall we call it, Boris's Britain? I'm in Lord Johnson's Britain right now. Lord yes. Johnson's Britain. And, it, and, you, and you come from the lovely Mr. Trump's America. And am I right in thinking that you were in America when, when Obama was president as well? Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I was uh, still finishing up my PhD, but I actually was in the country. I voted and it was my very first time after, after becoming a citizen. I did vote. So it was something very monumental and special indeed. But I can only imagine you've seen a, a fundamental shift in attitude in America yes. of going between the Obama years and the, and the Trump years. Absolutely, Stephen. If, I feel as though we've moved back almost 40, 50 years just in the four-year, you know, Trump administration. We're all sincerely hoping, especially us on the East Coast and the West Coast, where we are staunchly Democrat, we are really sincerely hoping that it will be a Biden win at the elections. Things are looking good, but things were looking great for Hillary Clinton up until the last couple of weeks. So, you know, anything goes. Yeah, I was, for some reason with Mr. Trump, it's never a definite that he's going to, to lose something. He always ends yes. up kind of like picking, pipping you at the post. And there's also been, I don't know whether it's big news or not in the election world of America, that um, Kanye West is also running for president. Well, CNN didn't really home, home in on that. It was more about the actual elections. So I, that's actually interesting. But you know what? I still want Joe Biden to win. I think he's probably the best man for the job now. Do you think he's being portrayed as the best man for the job in America? I believe he's been portrayed as probably the most rational man. The whole COVID-19 has not been good for Donald Trump. That's what I would like to say. It's no. actually put Biden at a better better forefront. And the fact that he went through and had these rallies, encouraged people to come, you know, and even to go and vote and come without masks. Whereas when you saw the Democrat con convention, 
you know, they were doing it all in, in social isolation. You had even Obama part of the convention and he's in his room. Biden is in his room. Other speakers were in their room. And, and you know, they, were, they actually are um, encouraging us to do more postal ballots. You know, they're trying to keep us safe, whereas Donald Trump is coming across. And I think he really doesn't care whether we're safe or not. But it is, has come out that he has testing done in the White House. He's got to make sure he is safe, but he doesn't really give two hoots about the public. And whether his tribe will believe it or not, that is another story. I know his niece's book has just been released. And for anything, what I've heard, it goes into about how he was abused by his father. Um, it might actually put him in a better light. So <laughs> you, you just never know, Stephen. You mm. just never know. Do you think he might be humanized by this? He might be. He wants another term. Do you think that going between the, uh, not even the Obama years, but going right the way back to people like like Ronald Reagan, it seems to be that from all those years up until Obama, yes. politics in America was very political. It was very respected, um, respectful yes. between Republicans and Democrats. And then Donald Trump has come along and made everything personal. Now, do you think that he's changed the political discourse in America so much that even if um, Democrats try to bring things back to the politics, try to move it away from the personal arena, that they can still win because it seems to me that every single time the Democrats try to fight Donald Trump on his own turf, on the personal turf, they always end up losing. Yes, and I think this is all because of Donald Trump's love with social media. See, when you mentioned personal, before Trump, it was very unheard of that a president or somebody of that caliber would be airing their own personal views on Twitter, Facebook. This was just not the dumb thing. Now it's it's almost like anybody born in America can be can aspire to become the president after Donald Trump. He has personalized it so much that it's to be honest, it's worked in his favor. Even when, as recently as when Obama was running against against John McCain, yes. then they were obviously staunch travels. One was Republican, one was Democrat, and they were obviously fighting their their own ideologies. But there is there's lots of footage from all over the place of mm-hmm. of Obama defending his Republican rival and Mr. McCain defending his his Democrat rival, and there was very much a respect between the two houses. And yet, Mr. Trump seems to have come along and just blown all that out of the water. And you could, and this is why we find ourselves in very much a on one side versus the other side. There's no kind of coming together to try and share ideals and make America better. Absolutely. It's it's almost like politics uh, prior to Donald Trump, it was almost civilized. Now it's like watching a Jerry Springer show and, and that's how awful it is. And I had one former student sent me a message on Facebook Messenger and she totally captured the entire lecture. And she said, Professor, we've gone from class to trash. We've gone from Harvard educated to Donald Trump and his fictitious own Trump University. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. it's it's something like Donald Trump seems to resonate with a huge population in America. And that's why he's there, Stephen. It's the capacity to be able to reach out. I'm for you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to build a wall. He built the wall. I'm going to stop this. You know, whatever policies he actually put into place, he's actually gone ahead and carried it out. Yeah. Immigration, he's come to laws. He's done everything in a very crude and vulgar manner. But you know what? What he set out to do, he's actually done. And that's what the most unfortunate thing is. And to I would call his tribe, he's almost seen as a messiah. And so and no matter how outrageous he is, it's like Madonna. You know, she has her fans. He will always have his uh, tribe there. 
where it could shift the balance is the COVID-19. COVID-19 might actually, be, you know, it could be a landslide win for Joe Biden or it could be, you know, very, very neck and neck. Don't, don't forget also Putin had a huge influence over the elections last time. Now he seems to have his own issues, his own problems. So Donald Trump is on his own. I get the sense, this feeling that there's still so much love so much support for Donald Trump that he might still squeeze him by the, by the skin of his neck if he's lucky. And I think that because of this continual outreach, you know, reaching to the average working class person on understanding their lives and what they're going through and, you know, wanting to keep America great and really just homing in on their fears about not wanting to have all these refugees, people come in and very much like the UK not coming to steal their work, their jobs, because I have noticed a huge difference even in the job market that, uh, you know, he's cut down, for example, on non-immigrant visas, the H1s where employers, you know, have been able to, you know, bring in professionals from other countries. Now it's much more about having to establish, put the American workers first and then, and he, he he's dropped, reduced the caps on, on these things as well. So, you know, the political discourse has changed so much. And, and my student was right. We have gone from a classy political society to a very trashy, you know, almost like a Jerry Springer show. And it's, it's embarrassing and, and even with the whole COVID-19, when I left America, it was fourth worst in the world. And I now I believe Europe is now not accepting anybody from America. So this is how serious things have come and how much America is sort of um, not wanted by the rest of the world. But it's almost like they say, well, we don't need the rest of the world. So we have enough with each other. So, you know, he's going to you know, pick up on all these vulnerabilities and use it to his advantage. And, and despite what people think, I think Donald Trump is in his own way, a very intelligent person. He knows... He is intelligent. He followed the Brexit to the T and he literally based his own campaign off Brexit. Mm-hmm. So it's it's almost like David Milliband, he was right. He said, don't think of him as a buffoon or a clown. He's actually very smart. He's just trying to speak to the common day person and I think that's that's where Hillary Clinton fell down. She did not... She spoke to a certain crowd. She spoke to an intellectual crowd and she also... There were a lot of Bernie supporters. So that, so that might work to Joe Biden's support. But then I think there still are a lot more Republicans out there. And there might be a lot of people who may vote independent as well. So it's I'm not going to say sit back and relax. Joe Biden's going to win. I hope he does win. But I'm going to say just be cautious because 2016 could actually be replicated at the end of this year. And in the middle of a, in the middle of a pandemic as well. Um, in the middle of the pandemic, which he's going to use to his advantage. That's another thing about Donald Trump. He does not follow his advisors. If he um, did, if he listened to the experts, if he listened to Dr. Fauci, I, America would not be in the position in, under the pandemic the way it is now, especially the more Midwest states, Florida, Arkansas. Nevada, you know, they were a lot down. It was New York, you know, who, which was top. And we've actually, it's improved. We've got, we've dropped down. People have listened to it, but all the other states, they haven't. And it's now the summertime. People just want to get out. People are fed up. And this is where, you know, you know, it's about the attitude. And yet what people's attitudes are, it's like, you know, if we're going to get it, we're going to get it. A lot of people, for, don't forget, are actually profiting off this unemployment benefit, stimulus checks. They're making more money now getting government grants than they were when they're working. If he does issue another national amnesty in that respect, it could actually help him, you know, win a second election. That's what I'm saying. Do not underestimate the man. We've spoken a lot about, about COVID-19 and all, and all this kind of stuff. Obviously, there's, a bit, there's another big 
movement still ongoing, still having a massive presence in America and, and across the world, which is the Black Lives Matter movement. Yes. And you you said that you have a, you deal a lot with with bullying, um, particularly with um, with young people. Are you seeing a growing change in attitude to, towards racism? Um, are, are people being more vocal now than what they were a few years ago? People have always been vocal, Stephen, but what I've seen since Donald Trump has come into the White House, where political correctness on this real hardcore which kept under lid, that has been opened. And that's what the change has been. It's actual white supremacy. And this is what I'm saying. We, I feel as though he's pushed us back 50 years. That, that is what, you know, the racism, even in this country in the 1960s and 70s, when blacky, packy, all of those words were, you know, just, you know, it was part of the everyday norm language. That is what I feel we've been pushed back. The institutional racism of the police force in, in the US, you know, that is becoming a lot more honed in as well and it's good that people are protesting and they're saying it's enough is enough and black lives don't matter but this is where i feel that his influence is almost like he's i mean like the way he discussed the coronavirus he calls it kung flu you know he's he's openly allowing the negative racial prejudice and discriminatory you know behavior and language He's making, he's actually saying it's okay to, to be like this when it's not okay. And it's like, how are we supposed to move forward and allow people to accept one another, you know, accept each other's cultural differences, racial differences, ethnic differences, religious differences, when you've got the most powerful man in the world, because he is, he's, he's a basket case. He, he's terrible for society, but he is where he is right now. He is the most powerful man in the world saying, it's okay to talk like this. It's okay to be racist. It's okay. Mm. It's not okay. As an educator, as an advocate, as somebody who's grown up in Britain, you know, in the 1970s, 80s, when it was inherently racist through ignorance, not now with things have changed, you know, where we're trying to actually bring people and societies together. He's like making our work 10 times harder. And living on the East Coast, sometimes I feel I'm preaching to the already converted. It's those who are not aware of different ethnicities, different religious backgrounds. I mean, I'm talking about Virginia, I'm talking about Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York City, New York State. It's The attitude is very, very different than Tampa, Florida, Alabama. He's also put such a divide between the uh, the Indians and the Pakistanis, Hindus and Muslims. You know, he's completely gone off to Modi. And what is also worrying me that there's the um, that segment of society of, and I'm not going to discriminate against uh, any ethnicities, but I, I know there's going to be a large section of rich Indian community who will vote for Donald Trump, not because of him making America great, because it's going to suit them, because they'll get a huge tax break. Do not underestimate Donald Trump. There is a section of society who are intellectual, who know he's wrong in many ways, but will vote him because it actually, it will suit them financially, economically. And this is a time when we are all struggling economically. Like we said, in the middle of this pandemic as well. In the middle of the pandemic, yeah. There's a great many people saying this, both in America and on this side of the pond in the UK, (laughs) that institutional racism isn't real. The people who are imagining racial prejudice in work, at home, in the streets. How, How would you respond to people who are saying that this kind of thing doesn't exist? I would say broaden your horizons with what you're reading and what you're watching. Read other information. Social media, actually, there it helps. And just, but the problem is, Stephen, and this is something I've come across a lot, especially once uh, Trump won the last election. 
they're basically putting this with as people who don't want to listen. They don't want to know. They want to stick to a certain negative and ignorant viewpoint. They don't want to uh, listen. So those who are saying there's no institutional racism, they probably are vastly ignorant or there's some political agenda behind their, their views or they just, like I said, they just do not want to listen. So it's hard to break the barriers for those people with that mentality. And unfortunately, you just have to get through with... Um, through passing certain laws, petitions. I would say for those who want to make a change, make a difference, just go out and petition change.org. All of these things are online petitions and they do make a difference. You just have to keep on protesting and spreading your word. I believe it's a younger generation who are more open-minded, who are um, mixing amongst ethnic diversity to actually help teach the elder generation. Mm before you left america what was the mood um trying as as if you possibly can to ignore covid-19 for a second what mm-hmm. what do you think was the mood in the circles of people that are trying to fight against this racism I believe that what happened to George Floyd hit hard home, not just to black people, but even to South Asian people, people who are Puerto Rican of the Hispanic background. People were um, were acknowledging that things have to change. And there's been a lot of, uh, I would say, events, raising money, you know, donating to organizations like the UCLU uh, and just trying to get that message across that, yes, people of different color, it's not just white lives matter, it's all lives matter. So I think there's a shift of people who may be a little frustrated about black lives matter saying it's all lives matter to be more neutral, say, yes, all lives matter, but also, you know, we cannot forget what a lot of black people have been through. And that's because of history, you know, of Mm. the whole slave trade labor. You know, there's been no other ethnic background who've been subjected to that other than the blacks. And it'll take time. I think it's going to be another couple of hundred years before we can rid of racism, unfortunately. But it is a step forward. And I think action is going to be taken. As far as legislation is concerned, I know after the Stephen Lawrence case in this country, they did change a lot of legislation, especially where policing is concerned. I'm hoping they will make changes in America. I think there will be a certain amount. It is something that's going to be ongoing. And it's like the the women's movement, the Me Too movement, the Black Lives Matter, that movement is going to continue. So I think it's a case of it'll take time, but there will be changes. Mm-hmm. But if Donald Trump wins the elections again, I honestly don't know how much support will be given to that because he will have a lot of say of what pass, bills pass and what don't pass. Again, it, it also depends on how many sitting in the White House in, in the Senate are Republican and how many are Democrat as well. Obama wanted to, he could have made a lot more changes, but he was overruled because he was facing a largely Republic uh, Senate. So whilst people are complaining and grumbling, oh, he didn't do anything or he didn't do much. First of all, remember what kind of administration he inherited. It was probably one of the worst we've ever seen, especially on the economic front. And secondly, he can't single-handedly buy, you know, pass a law. He's got to have a certain majority of votes in the Senate as well. He faced a lot of racism himself. That's also worked against him. So basically, um, it, it will really depend on you know what re- uh, party we have that wins the elections this year. Are you happy to be back in England? I am actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know what it, it's a change. I was born and raised here. I, was, I did my you know all my education, formal education here. I would say you know you can take 
the girl out of England, but you can't take England out of the girl. But, you know, I have been in America for 20, 21 years, so there is a lot of influence there, and I will go back and visit. No, it's good to be back. Um, I have close friends here. I have family. And, you know, I have a, a very loving and supportive network environment here. I think because it's a s- smaller country with the quality of life is better. I just felt in America just constantly working. And if anybody lived more than 20 minutes away, you just didn't see them (laughs) and with COVID-19 I just got to see like nobody literally but yes overall it is good to be back excellent and what are your plans now that you're back in the UK I'm back on the job market, you know, just looking for work at the same time. As I mentioned before, I want to register Action Against Bullying in the UK. I want to take my coaching practice a little, a few steps further. Um, that's also part of, my, I would say, my Action Against Bullying because I'm specialized in domestic violence and bullying non-physical called Totally Transforming You. I want to start doing more blogs, whether it's written or, um, you know, video blogs about the narcissist. A lot of things I wanted to talk about from personal experience, but also something that I feel is a major gap and blank, you know, in the world and that where people definitely need more help. So I have a lot going on here. But yes, it's getting back into the job market, you know, looking for work and, you know, spending time with family. One thing I would just like to say, uh, if anybody wanted to reach out to me, you can catch all my social media icons from my organization website, www.actionagainstbullying.org. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Oh, no, I've just broken my lamp. Oh, no, that's not good.